Good morning, everyone. Let's uh, let's go ahead and get started this morning. We're glad that you are here and uh, that we're gathering together to uh, celebrate what it is that God has for us and to worship Him. Father, thank you for our time together this morning. We thank you very much for the opportunity that we have to be here to open up the Word of God, that you have given us your Word and, and that you have instructed us and that it is, uh, it is full. And um, Father, we just thank you for it. Lord, we just pray your blessing upon our day. We pray that you would give the teachers much wisdom as they instruct their students that, uh, that it would be a tremendous time in the Sunday School Hour. And Father, we thank you for the worship time that, that follows. And uh, we look forward to the time of singing and praise you. And we look forward to the Word of God being opened up. And, and Lord, as Trevor preaches this morning, I just pray that you would calm him and that you would fill him with your your power and that he would proclaim the word uh, and that uh, you would just bless him as he opens his mouth to teach us. Thank you for your love and your grace and for the goodness that you show us in our lives over and over and over again. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning as we move along in the gospel project, uh, the title of our lesson today is Once Apart, Now Together, and really talks a lot about the church and what the church is and the significance of the church. Our theme is God changes us by bringing us into fellowship with himself and his people. The connection is koinonia is the Greek word for fellowship, and it's used throughout the New Testament. As God's people, we share fellowship with God through Jesus Christ because of his death and his resurrection. As Christ's people, we share fellowship with each other, loving one another as God has loved us. And the application is that God calls us to join with other believers as we share in the fellowship and in our mission to extend the gospel to the ends of the earth. And uh, so this is one of those awesome, wonderful things that God has done for us. And, and we get to talk about the church and, and, and what he has done and, and how remarkable it is that we are part of this thing called the church. It's just the greatest thing uh, that there is. The session summary is this. I thought it was really good. All of us, men and women alike, long to be known and to be known. But our desire goes beyond that. We long to be known and accepted. Our hearts yearn for the significance and the belonging that come with a meaningful community. This appetite comes from our having been made in the image of God who is a community by nature, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, eternally coexisting in total equality and mutual love. The lack of community we suffer from is a result of sin in the world and our lives. The gospel of Jesus answers this catastrophe of humanity and satisfies our deepest longings for community. In this session, we will see how God changes us and brings us into fellowship with himself and with others and how we are to carry out our mission to extend fellowship um, in the world. And, and that's exactly what it is. The problem started, as we all know, go to Exodus or Genesis chapter 3. This is where the difficulties begin. You are aware of this. Um, we know what the Bible says in this area and particularly in this passage. <coughs> It says in Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve had sinned, they had disobeyed God, and then it says in, in, in 3.8, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. And then the Lord God called out to man and said, where are you? Now, we don't know the time period of this, and I'm, I'm sure there, there are people that, that do some guessing and whatnot, but we really don't understand how long they may have had, been in the garden.
heart and how long they had this relationship with God. But can you imagine having a relationship with God in the fact that he would come down and he would walk with you and that you would talk with him and you had this wonderful relationship and then all of a sudden one day because something in your life changed and you knew that God was about to make his appearance, you hid. Wouldn't that have been something? And we don't have to imagine that one very much at all, do we? Because we understand that we can be having a close relationship with God and we can be talking to him and we can be enjoying his presence and then all of a sudden we do something, that's something called sin, and we don't want to be next to God, do we? We don't, we don't want to talk to God, we don't want to listen, we don't want to be with God's people maybe to a certain degree. We understand that idea um, in our lives. It, with Adam and Eve, because of the re- uniqueness of their relationship, it was more in your face, wasn't it? Our relationship is a little different, obviously, being a spiritual relationship at this point. But this is exactly what goes on. Okay, this separation from God. There, there is this deep ache. There is this problem. There's this parting, and every human being has that ache when they're apart from God. Okay, now the the unique thing about life is that not everybody understands what that ache is from. They don't they don't get the the big picture. They don't understand. They know there's an ache. They know that there's a longing. They know they know that there's a Emptiness. There's knows that there's something there. It just doesn't make sense to them. But just because it doesn't make sense to them doesn't mean that it is any less real. It is still there. There is that thing. We are created that we would have that great relationship with God. And no matter what we do, no matter what we try, nothing removes that ache. That ache is still there. And you can look around and maybe you walk, uh, excuse me, maybe you live that kind of a life. Maybe you can know other people and you see other people that live that kind of a life that are looking to fill that ache on a regular basis and it just can't be filled, can it? It's just there's something missing. And, and, and what's missing is that we understand that we are created to ha- be in relationship with God. And we're missing that. And there is that, there is that thing there. There is that separation. And we understand that the only solution for that separation is what? Jesus Christ. The only solution. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. First Corinthians chapter 1 verse 9. God is faithful whom through you were whom through you were called into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, just let's ponder that for a little while. Okay, we understand the idea of the word fellowship, right? A, a, a closeness, a, a, a relationship, a, a common coming together because of some things. You know, you can you can expand that a little bit, but we get that word that that word fellowship. It's being with somebody else having things in common with that person, enjoying being with them, doing things with them. God is faithful through whom you were called into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Can you, can you ponder that for a while? That we have been called into fellowship. We have been called that we might have a relationship. We might have a closeness. We might be with Jesus Christ our Lord. Isn't that something? 
God did. He saved us and he said, I want you to have this relationship again. I want you to be a close to the Lord. I want you to have this uniqueness that, that you've been missing. And I want you to have it and I want you to enjoy it. That's, that's what God has done for you. That's what God has set up for you. And, and, and if we don't have that closeness and if we don't have that fellowship as believers today and if we have that ache in our lives again and if we have that emptiness in our lives again and if we find ourselves hiding from God, where's the problem lie? With us, isn't it? With us. You know, it's, a, it's a, one of those interesting things that as Christians, we can, we can kind of veer off the path a little bit we can find ourselves kind of far away from God. And it's, and it's interesting how then we can come up with a whole bunch of reasons as to why that's the case, isn't, can't we? And we can say, I wonder why God isn't doing what God's supposed to be doing anymore. I wonder where God is. I wonder why my prayers don't seem to be heard and those kinds of things. You hear all those different kinds of things. And yet if we take a good look at it, we'll understand that, that somewhere along the line then, we've broken relationship. We've broken fellowship we somehow, some way are hiding from God. We are not where we need to be and doing what we need to do. And the reason we can have confidence in that is that it says God is faithful through whom you were called into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. The norm for believers is the fellowship. Okay? That's the norm now, is that we would have that fellowship with God. We would have that closeness with God. We would talk to God and we would listen to God. We would walk with God and that we would we would have this wonderful relationship with God. I think our quarterly did a tremendous job this week and so I want to read a handful of things from our quarterly um, to help it, you know, get us to where we want to be today. It says this, Where Adam sinned, Christ saved. Where Adam fell, Christ rose. Where Adam divided, Christ unites. And we who were once apart from God can now enjoy fellowship with Christ and flourish in that fellowship. Because of the power of the gospel, we are never truly alone. Even when we're all by ourselves, our God is always with us. Indeed, His Spirit has taken up residence in us and we are hidden with Christ in God, it says in Colossians. That is what it means to be called by Him into fellowship with His Son from the verse we just read in 1 Corinthians. We are now connected with Him in a unique way, in an eternal, unbreakable relationship because we're now saved. Because we're in Christ, we are able to experience a loving fellowship our triune God has enjoyed for all of eternity. Ponder that for a moment. The fellowship that we've been called into is the fellowship that the Father, the Son, and the Spirit have had throughout all of eternity. We've been invited to be a part of that fellowship. We've been called in. Hey, I want you to be a part of this, is what God says. How remarkable and amazing is that? How cool is that? Do you think about that? I, you, know, you know, I mean, that's a theological truth. I get that. You probably get that. But when it's phrased this way, you think, wow, that's kind of cool. We are able to experience the loving fellowship of our triune God that he's enjoyed throughout all eternity. Well, that's a pretty good deal. We are completely accepted by God and secure in our relationship with Him because our sin has been placed on Jesus who paid its penalty for us and its place we have been credited with in, and, and in its place we've been credited with His righteousness. We are finally free to stand boldly but humbly before our God. Our fellowship with Jesus also means that we can experience peace and comfort 
joy in our lives as we never have before. It's freeing to know God and to be fully known and accepted by Him. God will always be there with us no matter what, always graciously loving us and extending His peace and His comfort and His joy to us. The world can only experience these as shadows because the substance is found only in Christ. That's a great statement. The world only experiences this stuff in shadows. Can they experience some peace and some comfort and joy to a certain degree? Yes, absolutely, because of God's graciousness. But it's a shadow compared to the substance that is found only in Christ that we as believers have. That is not to say that we will all be spared from suffering and pain when we're in Christ. As we saw in the previous session, part of our sharing in Christ's salvation is sharing in His sufferings. However, what this does mean is that we will be able to endure our suffering with patience, knowing that there's a purpose in it. We are comforted knowing that suffering is temporary and that God is working to bring Himself glory through it. This is the first and fundamental reconciliation of the gospel. It announces our way back to God through union with His Son who has died for our sins and has risen for eternal life in Him. But as we also saw in the previous session, the gospel is deep, and so it goes even further than our individual reconciliation to God. And it's talking about community. It's talking about the fact that He's put us in a body. Isn't that amazing? Let me read this to you from A.W. Tozer. Has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same fork are automatically tuned to each other? They are of one accord being tuned, not to each other, but to this another standard in which one must be individually, which one must individually bow. That's true. Okay, if you're going to go on two of them, you tune them to the one fork, and in being tuned to the one fork, they're automatically tuned to one another. Okay, what makes the Church of Jesus Christ unique? Jesus Christ. Okay? As we're in tune with Him, we're in tune with one another. Okay? If we're not in tune with one another, we need to take a look and say, are we in tune with Him? And that's the way it needs to be with virtually all of our life. As I'm, not, as, as I'm struggling with this, I need to ask myself, am I where I need to be here? Over and over again. And we as Christians, we fail to ask that question way too often, and then we struggle and we go all out trying to figure this out. I need to make sure that this is right. And this really takes care of itself over and over again. Okay? Over and over again. You don't have to look very far for really good examples for that. Okay? It's, it, this, is, this is what it is. And, you know, we as Christians, sometimes we spin our wheels, in fact, with our marriages as a great example. That's the best example you can come up with, with these kinds of things. We spin our wheels over and over again battling this, when many times the real issue is this. The real issue is this. I tell, I tell the young people I marry on a regular basis, I've used this phrase for, for a really long time now in, 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 in wedding ceremonies that I do, is that here's the secret to having a good marriage. You, young man, need to become a biblical man of God. You, young lady, need to become a biblical woman of God. When we do that, things work out pretty well, don't they? Okay? We need to be in tune to Him. We're, we're not in tune to another standard we're in tune to the standard of God. And so it says here, Tozer goes on to say, so 100 worshipers meet together, each one looking away to Christ, and are in heart nearer to each other than they could possibly be, but it is because they're nearer to Him than they could possibly be. We, we are close to one another when we are close to Him, and that is a remarkable, wonderful thing. That's what He's done for us. He brings us to Him, and He says, in bringing, me, in, in bringing you to me, I'm bringing you to all these other people.
people that I've also brought to me. Isn't that a cool thing? That's the best thing in the world, isn't it? That is, that is so wonderful. And the reason why the church works, and this is an important thing, the reason why the church works is that that transcends all of the events in our lives. Okay? So let, let's make sure we understand that. So let's say that you were part of a church and that you, you, you are part of a church when you first get married. And then let's fast forward, and you've stayed in the community, and you've stayed and you've been a part of the church, and now here you are, and you're in your retirement years, and you're still part of the church, and it still works. You know all the changes that go on in life from the time you're first married until your retirement years. My word, why is it that you can still be in the church? Because it's Jesus Christ. Look at all those things that you associate with outside the church. By and large, what are those associations built around? particular time-restricted um, things. For instance, um, a, a, I, <laughs> I never want to step on people's toes and think that, want them to think that I'm attacking things. I'm not. Um, uh, bicycle riding, or uh, um, um, 4-H. 4-H. 4-H is built around what? Kids. And eventually, when those kids are gone, chances are you no longer are a part of 4-H. Okay? The church is built around God. Therefore, it doesn't really matter as we do our thing. See what I'm, see what I'm getting at here? See the importance of the church? See what God has done for us? Okay? There's all these wonderful things. And, and, and so step outside 4-H and think about some other things in your life. And we tend to look for things that so that we can find significance or we tend to look for things that we can fill that ache with in our life and the problem is those things they're not consistent they're constantly fluid and then our jobs is a good example our jobs absolutely there's a good one for instance and, and yeah, there's a whole bunch of things like that the church transcends everything because it's Jesus Christ isn't that the coolest thing in the world and that's why the church works that, that's why it works, and, and that's what makes it a, a wonderful thing, and, and, and that's, what, that's what sets it apart from everything else that is in this world. Let's look at some verses. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 3. So we were once apart from God, and now we're close to God, and part of that closeness is the church. Look at what it says about um, the closeness to God in these verses. We'll look at... Um, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 4 through 6. By referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit. To be specific, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. What a great concept. Is that this mystery that has been talked about and talked about and talked about has finally come to pass. And what, it is, what is it? It's that Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers in the promise of Christ Jesus through the gospel. What a great thing okay, that God has done that for us. Go to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. And we read in verse 3. Well, actually, let's read from verses 1 through 3. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our 
our eyes what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life, and the life was manifested, and we have seen and testified and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. What we have seen and heard we proclaim to you also, so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Isn't that cool? Notice what he says here is the fact that we've told you all of these things and we've expressed these things to you so that you might have fellowship with us, but that's not the big deal. The reason why we want you to fellowship with us is because our fellowship is with God. That's the ultimate issue right there. It's with God. It's with God. And, and let me tell you that, that in this day and age, one of the reasons um, uh, in this day and age, we are seeing a lot of churches, a lot of churches that are all about having fellowship with us built around something as opposed to having fellowship with God. And oh, by the way, as you have fellowship with God, you have these other things. But there's a lot of churches that have fallen into this rut just like the world and they are, they are creating these things whereby this is the thing that we want you to be a part of right here and that's going to come and go and it's going to fall apart eventually. As opposed to let's have fellowship with God and then we have fellowship with one another as well. And that's a really, really, really cool thing, okay? And then look at verse 7. And we talked about this a while back. But if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of his Son cleanses us from all sin. Boy, that's an important verse. How do I make sure that I have fellowship with God? According to this verse. I walk in the light. And if I'm walking in the light, what is that? presuppose what have I done I'm cleansed by his blood I'm first of all I'm a believer and then as a believer what does it presuppose fellowship because I've done what I've confessed my sins I'm not hiding exactly right I'm walking in the light I'm going to have fellowship with him as I walk in the light which means I'm not hiding as we saw with Adam I'm not hiding from him because I have dealt with my sins in a right way. I'm not hiding. I am walking in the light with him. And I find that that fellowship is a sweet, 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 wonderful thing because of what he has done for me. Isn't that cool? So we need to understand that. So it's an important thing. So sometimes we struggle with life. And I want to challenge you this morning. Are you struggling with life because you're out of sync with God? Okay? Let's always look there first. Always look there. I have been called into fellowship with Jesus Christ. If I am not in fellowship with Jesus Christ as a believer, something's wrong. And that something has nothing to do with God. That something has to do with where I am in my life. I have drifted. I have wandered. I am, I am, I am spinning my wheels in this area or that area or the other thing. I, my priorities may be out of whack. My approach to life may be out of whack. My, my, uh, my sin may be unconfessed, and, and, and it may be what I am participating in now far more than anything else. What's going on in my life that that's happening? You look at your life and you think about it, and you will come to grips with this very thing that you will, say, you will understand that when you are at angst, chances are this isn't quite where it needs to be. Now, there's some, there's some rare exceptions to that, but by and large, that's the case. That that's how life is. All right? And so I would just challenge you to take a look at this. Why am I not in fellowship? What is going on? What do I need to adjust? What do I need to fix? What's, what's, what's changed 
happening right now in my life with Jesus Christ. Okay? And I would challenge you to ponder that. Well, we've been talking about it already, but the next thing that our lesson says is this, is that once we were apart from the church, but now we have fellowship. We, I, I kind of combined points one and two here because I thought they were important that, that we just understand that they go together. We have fellowship with him. If I have fellowship with him, I have fellowship with you. It's, it's a natural thing. I'm going to do it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going I'm to run I'm going to run to you. I'm, I'm going to do it. Okay? Now I want to again read, because as I said, I thought the quarterly did a great job, and I, I want to read a little bit to you again this morning from this. It says this, The primary death in the fall of humankind is the death of our relationship with God. We understand that, right? You, you get that, that? The wages of sin is death. Because of sin, we are separated from Him, but you will notice in Genesis 3 that Adam and Eve's sin did not just separate them as individuals from God, it separated them from each other as well. Okay, sin had a relational impact all around. With this in mind, we see that the gospel doesn't just unite us to God in Christ, but unites us to God together in Christ. God together in Christ. When we were brought into fellowship with Jesus, we were also brought into fellowship with others who were reconciled in Christ in a community called the church. We see plenty of pictures in the pages of the New Testament of the reconciling work of the gospel and community, but one of the most vivid, at least in portraying how the gospel works practically within the relationships of reconciled sinners is found in Romans chapter 12 that we'll read in just a moment. This passage shows us a picture of koinonia in action. Koinonia is the Greek word for fellowship, and it's used throughout the New Testament. As God's people, we share fellowship with God through Christ Jesus because of his death and his resurrection. And as Christ's people, we also share fellowship with each other, loving one another as God has loved us. Let's turn to um, this passage, which is Romans chapter um, 12. Actually, before we do Romans, go to uh, Ephesians. Go to Ephesians, then we'll go to Romans. Go to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. And it says this in verse 20, uh, 19. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are also being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. The church is the dwelling of God. The church. Individuals filled with the Holy Spirit come together, form the church. What do we have? We have God in their midst because we're the church. Okay? It's a cool thing. It just It's a great thing. Let me read to you two things from the quarterly, and then we'll go to Romans chapter 12. It says this. This is from a guy named Robert Mounts. God's will is that his children become a family where the joys of one become the joys of all, and the pain of one is gladly shared by all the others. The Christian experience is not one person against the world, but one great family living out together the mandate to care for one another. So rejoice with those who are rejoicing and weep with those who are weeping. We'll read that in Romans. In, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this, Into the community you were called, the call was not meant for you alone. In the community of the called you bear, your cross, your struggle, you, you, you pray. Excuse me. The call was not meant for you alone. In the community of the called you bear your cross, your stru- you struggle, you pray. You are not alone, even in death. And on the last day you will... You will be only one member of the great congregation of Jesus Christ. If you scorn the fellowship of the brethren, you reject the call of Jesus Christ, and thus your solitude can be hurtful to you. 
exactly right. The, the issue that we have in our world today is that in our society that we live in here in the United States of America, there are so many other things. So many other things. There are so many other things that go on that, that we can live apart from, from people. And we think that we're okay. And it's, it's just not a good thing. We need one another. Turn with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. We're going to start with verse 1. Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each one a measure of faith. So here's what life in the body looks like. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each one of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if service in his service, or in he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So what he's saying in this particular portion here, and it's a pretty significant thing, is that God has given everybody the different gifts, everybody has the different issues, and everybody's supposed to do what they're supposed to do, and you're supposed to do it with all of your energy, okay? That it's you know it's that phrase that that it, you know if you're gonna if you're gonna in, in, if you're gonna prophesy according to your prophecy, according to the proportion of your faith, in service in a serving, and he who teaches in his teaching, in exhorting in his exhortation. In other words, if you've been given a gift, do it. Use that gift, okay? And I just made a mistake with my terminology there. I said if you've been given a gift, and of course the the terminology ought to be since you've been given a gift. Do it. Do it. Do what you're supposed to do. Okay? Do what you're supposed to do. You don't need to think about it. You don't need to, you don't need to pray about it. You need to do it. Why? Because that's what you've been gifted to do in the body of Christ. Okay? That, that's, that's the beauty of it. Okay? That's, that's one of those ama- amazing, remarkable, wonderful things. Okay? You've been given that ability, so you ought to do that thing. All right? It ought to just, it ought to just flow from you. And you need, to, you need to make sure that you are doing that. And when everybody does it, it works, right? And we understand that. We see that all the time. Okay? We, we see that, and it's, and it's a beautiful, wonderful thing. So he continues, and he says, In the body, then, here's some things that, that need to go on here. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulations, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. Now, let me go through that again. This is what we're supposed to do in the church. Make sure that love is without hypocrisy. Love properly. Abhor that which is evil. That just is what we should do in the church. Cling to what is good. In the church, we should be devoted to one another with brotherly love. 
In the church, we should give preference to one another and honor, lifting that person up. In the church, we should not lag behind in diligence. We shouldn't be lazy in, the, in what God has given us to do. We should be fervent in the Spirit in the church. We should serve the Lord. We should rejoice in hope. We should persevere in tribulation. We should be devoted to prayer. And we should give and contribute to the needs of the saints. And we should practice hospitality on a regular basis. He goes on and he says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and don't curse. And then he says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. I think that that is absolutely one of the coolest things in the church that sometimes we blow, is that we should rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Identify with the people you love. Why are you guys all happy? I don't know why we're happy, but they're happy, so I'm happy with them. That's why we're happy, because they're happy. Okay? That's what should happen in the church. Be of the same mind toward one another. I can only do that when I'm of the same mind of Christ. Don't be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. We talked about that with James. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Don't think that you're the greatest thing since sliced bread. You're not. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. He goes on, he says, this is what we should do outside, too. Don't take, revenge, don't take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for his written vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you'll heap bony, burning coals on his, on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's, that's the church. And there's a lot of passages in the Bible that talk about the church over and over again. This is the church. What would we do without the church? Unfortunately, there are some people that would do just fine without the church. They just wouldn't have anywhere to go on Sunday mornings. And that's too bad. We should need the church. We should want the church. Obviously, being a pastor, my life is a little bit unique and a little bit different than, than folks who are not employed full-time by a church. But I look back over the years, I have no idea what I would do without the church. Church has been our life, obviously. And that's a good thing. I don't regret that in any way, shape, or form. It's, it's a good thing that the, the church is our life, that we gather together with believers, that we do unique things with believers, that that's a positive, wonderful thing, that, that, that we gather together just to have fun, just to do some, some neat things with people, just to spend time with people. It's the church. And it's because we've been put into this group called the body, and I want to be part of the body because they have the same they have the same ideas about what's important in life as I do. It's Jesus Christ. And the church matters. The church matters. There's a lot of, for lack of a better word, let's use this phrase, seasonal things that come and go in our life. It's a season. Don't build your life around those things. They come and go. Build your life around the church which is there forever, and then you can add some of those seasonal things, that's okay. But don't build your life around those seasonal things. You'll be, you'll be sorely disappointed. You'll be sorely disappointed. And, and in all honesty, and this isn't the group to, you know, really to a large degree, there's a handful of us in here, but we need to understand that even as you raise your children. Make sure you have a good perspective on your children. They're going to grow up and leave you. Right? Everybody else can tell you that. That's going to happen. And they may even move a long ways away from you. So be careful that you keep everything in proper perspective, even with your children. Okay? We need to make sure that our life is about that that really matters. That Jesus Christ, that he's put us into the church, and he's brought all these other things into our life to do them in a right way. 
And then when those things are gone, and all, then we still have the church. And it's a great thing. It's, it's wonderful. And it's, it's, it's just the way it's supposed to be. Okay? It's an incredibly important thing. All right? Incredibly important thing. The third point, then, of our lesson is this. Once you were without purpose, and now you have fellowship, and you have purpose in the fellowship. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. And it says this, beginning in verse 3, I thank my God in all remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you, in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. For it is only right for me to feel this way about you all, because I have you in my heart, since both in my imprisonment and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers of grace with me. So what is it that Paul is saying here? Is he saying this, and and I want you to go to verse 5 specifically, in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now, is that what is our mission? What is our purpose then? It is to be participating in the gospel. That is our mission. That is our purpose. Okay. Once you are saved, your purpose is to participate in the gospel. Okay. So, here it is. You are no longer a a you are no longer a street cleaner who is saved. You are now a saved person who street cleans. Who does street cleaning? Okay. Now that's an important distinction, right? I am a person who sweeps the streets. Okay? Oh, and by the way, I I got saved and I believe in God. That changes everything now. So now you are a believer. You are a saved person who, in order to make some money so that you can live in this society and give money to the work of the gospel in all sorts of different ways, cleans, sweeps streets to do that. Okay? Our mindset has to change. My life is now participating in the gospel. And so I do everything I do, I see through the gospel. Okay? I am participating in this activity. As a person who is participating in the gospel, is that an activity I should or should not participate in? Here's the interesting thing. The activity may be fine, but what about the stuff that swirls around the activity, for instance? As a person who's participating in the gospel, is that a good thing or a bad thing? I need to weigh that. I need to decide that. And I make that decision based upon that, not just based upon the activity. Okay? So I need to make sure that, that, that I want to be careful about that. All right? So, you know, uh, um, and, and let me give an example of that. Um, again, I want to come up with a non-issue example. And so, uh, um, um, <laughs> I'm trying to make something up that makes sense. So at any rate, um, so I'm part of the local tree trimming group, okay? So I trim trees. I love trimming trees. I love taking care of my trees at the home, and so there's a local tree trimming group. And so I want to be a part of the local tree trimming group, right? Because that's cool, and I like trimming trees, and I'm going to help my community. But I've noticed that part of the tr- local tree trimming group, what they do is they bring alcohol to every single meeting, and right after they trim trees, they sit under their tree, and they, and they drink 
I've been convicted as a believer that I don't drink alcohol. I especially don't drink alcohol in those kinds of settings. So now I have to decide, is trimming trees with that group the right thing or the wrong thing for me as a person who participates in the gospel? That's how we need to think about every single thing. And you have to, you have to look at every single thing through the lens of the gospel. And, and, and in the example I just gave you, trimming trees is no longer the issue, is it? Now what the issue is is what goes on after or, behind, or before the trimming the trees. And I have to decide what am I going to do with that in my life, for instance. And you guys can apply that to your situation with certain things that you do on a regular thing. The thing that I want you to understand is that we need to be participating in the gospel. Part of the reason why you're here today is you're participating in the gospel. Okay? Part of the reason why you send your children to Sunday school or vacation Bible school or one is you're participating in the gospel. Part of why we go to Bible studies is we're participating in the gospel. Part of why we decide not to watch these movies is because we are participating in the gospel. Part of why we decide not to do these activities as a family or individuals is because we're participating in the gospel. That needs to be what I do. And that needs to be that that, that, that dictates and controls. And, I go, and the reason why that's an issue is because I go all the way back to what we said at the very beginning of our class is because I've been called into fellowship with Jesus Christ. And so that then dictates what I do. And we as Christians, I think, need to have a broader perspective of why we do what we do on a regular basis. We are participating in the gospel. And God allows us to do a lot of really, really fun things. A lot of really cool things in life. But is that thing, should I do that? Okay? Should I participate in that thing in light of the fact that I am participating in the gospel on a regular basis? You have to decide that based upon that over and over and over again in your life, okay? Over and over and over and over again. You gotta, you gotta make that decision, you know? And, and you just have to, you have to come to grips with that. As an individual, you have to come to grips with that. And, and, and as a family, you gotta come to grips with that. And you've gotta go before your God and you need to say, God, we recognize that this may be a good opportunity for our child here, but if we participate in that, what will that say about our participation in the gospel? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? And you've got to make those decisions. Where there were times, and, and it's really interesting, our middle daughter just had, is dealing with this right now. Um, there's, there's a program that, they're, that their kids are part of. They're, they're two oldest girls, and, and, and they're, they're, it's drama, and, and they're not allowing them to participate because of the particular play they're doing. Because as a family, they sat down and they said, in, as a family that participates in the gospel, we feel like participating in this particular performance of this play would not be right. And we were so thrilled to see Stephanie and Jesse come to grips with that because that's how we raised our girls. We had, we had tears plenty of times <laughs> with the fact that, no, you can't do that. And here's why. No, you can't participate in that. And here's why. And it's, it's, it was a great reward to Cynthia and I to see now her saying, that, that, that's a good thing. We need to make that decision every now and again. Because we participate in the gospel, and that's a higher calling. Okay? And that's what we need to do in life over and over again. All right? Make sense? Any questions on this? Any comments? It's an important concept that we make sure that, that we do that. The essential doctrine in this particular lesson then was unity with Christ. And that's, that 
trumps everything, doesn't it? Unity with Christ. We, we are a part of Jesus Christ. Okay, unity with Christ. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter 11. Verses 1 and 2. I wish that you would bear with me a little foolishness, but indeed you are bearing with me. For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy, for... I betrothed you to one husband so that to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. We understand that. Theologically, we get that. We can talk about that. But every once in a while you read verses like that, you need to think about it for a while. That I belong to Christ. I'm united to Christ. And that there will be, there will be this day when I am presented to Him and we'll have this great big ceremony. And as the church... We belong to Christ. And Ephesians chapter 5, it, it, it talks about that, and you're familiar with that. We read Ephesians 5 a lot of times in the light of husbands and wives, but every once in a while we need to read Ephesians 5 in the light of the church and Christ. Okay? That we are, we are united with Christ, and he, he wants to present us spotless and blameless. And... I'm going to be able to do that, and you're going to be able to do that as we think about our life in view of participation in the gospel. I've been brought into the gospel. I've been brought into fellowship. That should dictate all these different things in my life now because of my participation in the gospel. Turns me to uh, Ephesians chapter 3. It says this, we're united with Christ. 3.17 So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able with all the saints, um, that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. That you might know Christ you are in union with Him, that you might know Him, that you might live with Him and walk with Him as Adam and Eve walked with Him in the garden. Colossians 1. Verse 27. We'll do 25, 26, 27. And this is similar to the Ephesians we read earlier. Of this church I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. That is, the mystery which has been hidden from the ages, past ages and generations but has now been manifested to his saints to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Man. And then finally, chapter 3 of Colossians. Therefore, if you have been raised with Christ, seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above not on the things which are on the earth for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life is revealed then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Listen folks the idea of understanding and living out this verse when Christ is our life 
The idea of understanding that and living that out is a whole lot better than many of the other alternatives that we are doing our best to be a part of. And Christ, who is our life. Not Christ, who is our Savior. Christ, who is our life. Is it your life? Or is it your portion of your life? We need to figure that out. Father, thanks for our time together this morning. And thanks for giving us the church and for giving us Christ. What, what a remarkable deal. Father, give us wisdom as we figure out how to make our participation in the gospel touch every aspect of our being. And give us wisdom as we consider how to make sure that Christ is our life. Give us wisdom as we think about the church. As we think about walking with you and never hiding from you. That we might confess our sins regularly. That we would be the righteousness of Christ in practical 